When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. Oh, welcome back, Casterly Talk fans, Game of Thrones fans, Song of Ice and Fire fans, Age of Hero fans, Dance of Dragon fans. There's a lot of you out there and a lot of different things to like about Game of Thrones, which is why we're happy you're here, whether you're a book person, show-only person, a show-and-book person, or just study the maps. It doesn't matter. We're here to talk Game of Thrones. I'm Ken Napsok, and joined this time by Lon Harris, our maester, and Rachel Cushing. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hey, great to be here. Yeah. Uh, Andres Cabrera, who was uh, here last time with me, I mean, we did 20 minutes alone on how much we love time in Lannister. Uh, who doesn't? <laughs> who doesn't love him? Andres uh, will be back with the, the crew, uh, especially as we break down the episodes during the season. Those episodes will air in the uh, most likely Tuesday afternoon slot. We're going to take some time, record our show or on Monday night, let everyone else rush to set and give their gut reactions. We're going to take our time with it. I hope you're okay with that. All right, that's enough for the intro. Uh, let's dive into this. Hello, everybody. We've got uh, we've got a little bit of news. Uh, a teaser trailer dropped. Well. Not really. It's a very small <laughs> taste. It, it encompassed a lot. It did give us a lot in about six seconds at HBO, <laughs> look what's happening this year type of thing. Um, we got to see what some unsullied marching, mm-hmm. a dragon that's mm-hmm. Drogon, and Arya, Rachel, staring up at a dragon. Yeah, she had a she had a very interested look on her face, and, and I can't help but wonder if... Uh, <laughs> There might not be some dragon riding in her future because oh. I could just think about how much she would love that and adore that. And before we uh, hit the record button, Ken <laughs> mentioned that in um, season two, two or three, when she is at Hall and talking to Tywin, yeah, uh, and he was Me talking too. about Aegon the Conqueror, she's like, uh-uh, don't forget about his sister wives and their dragons as well, Rhaenys yeah. and Meraxxus and uh, Visenya yeah. and Vagar. So yeah. it's clear that Tyrion is not the only person that has loved dragons, you know, through the stories that he was told when he was a kid. I believe Arya is also a character like that. So yeah. it'd be very cool to see her interact with the dragon. That's so interesting that you bring that up because I, I've never one, I've been re-watching the show finally, finally catching <laughs> up, uh, wrapping up season two at the time of this recording session and then watching the Tywin Arya stuff, which is still some of the best in the show. Oh yeah. Uh, my girlfriend Grace is like, I would just see a documentary on that, like just a real life uh, Christopher Guest documentary on Tywin and Arya sure. uh, but but in the book Fire and Blood which I've been uh, reading as well they at one point during the Dance of Dragons uh, they uh, one side I forget the greens or the blacks you guys can refresh my mind they're short of dragon riders mm-hmm. so Mushroom the uh, little person uh, fool is like well you guys is you know your seeds everywhere because you get around <laughs> town a lot of Targaryen bastards. We can find some and some some non Targaryens ride up and rise up to the level of dragon. Yeah, that that was going to be my question: Is yeah. Arya would she be would the dragons respond to her even though she does not have any Targaryen blood? It's sort of a question that's yeah. been raised in the mm-hmm. fandom and in the books, like Ken was just talking about fire and blood. The 
I think conventional thinking is that there should be a drop of Valyrian blood somewhere in there somehow, but there have been characters where that hasn't necessarily looked like the case. Uh, Nettles, for example, uh, sheep stealer. Um, So it's not a hundred percent sure. So it does, you know, raise the question for somebody like Arya. And also the show has, um, made that point even less. So I could see the show right. going a different way in order to get characters like Arya and right. theoretically Tyrion, although you could be a believer in that Tyrion is a Targaryen right. theory if you want. Well, right. I am not, but a lot of people are, so. Because there is I, there is one other way that you could get a Stark on a dragon, which we could be Bran Wargs into. Bran oh, yes. and and then This is anyone, a great party trick. How to get a Stark on a dragon. How, here's how you could get a Stark on a dragon. Is, yeah, Bran Wargs into a dragon and then anybody who brands cool with could ride the dragon ah uh, i like good ooh, point i like that's that. a wild card theory right mm-hmm. could uh, happen uh, he can uh, warg into I an animal like that dragon's yeah. an animal uh, yeah, especially people, now we haven't seen him try to warg into things now that he's the three-eyed raven right, he's got well, all this power i was gonna say three-eyed raven blood raven uh, uh says you know you won't you won't walk but you, you will fly, fly. right mm-hmm. so that's what's been on my mind already oh i like that it would give Bran a little more to do than just be a mouthpiece for a whole lot of information. So right. I am hoping to see, if not that, then some version of that, um, not just to to give us that callback to the yeah. you will fly line, uh, but in terms of just having his character do something. The, the other thing with Bran, though, yeah. as long as we're talking about things I think Bran might do, we, sure. we, had a, we had a tease, we had a little inkling in season seven mm-hmm. that Bran can not only see the past, but right. can have an impact. He made a sound and it caused young Ned Stark to turn around. Absolutely. Nobody's there. So it could be that that's what Bran is going to ultimately have to do is go change something notable in the past to ripple effect. Oh, my God. Are we getting to the Bran is the Night King theory? Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) I'm dancing around it, but yeah. I think think we should definitely, uh, uh, I definitely want to discuss that a little bit more here in a second there. Uh, Another thing about the teaser trailer because it's fascinating, and I want to focus on Starks, the Starks in the sure. end game. Um, but that teaser trailer, again, I'm saying teaser trailer was an HBO. We got a lot of Jeffrey. It was, it was as much a teaser trailer for Barry. Barry and, and Jeffrey Wright in, in OG, which OG, looks yeah. fantastic as well. Jeffrey Wright's up. God, Jeffrey Wright in Game of Thrones. That would need to. That hasn't happened. I'm like pausing. I'm like, that hasn't happened. <laughs> it hasn't, but could. My gosh. He's, he's American. We forget. It seems like he's. I've been, I was watching Casino, Casino Reale the other day. Yeah. You know, yeah. when, <laughs> the like line that, uh, that's one of, it, it, it's one of my, fa- my favorite Bond movie, but, and that's one of my favorite moments. But I love when, when Felix Unger's like, does Light it look like we need like, the money? Yeah. <laughs> Felix Lighter, Lighter. a Bond. Uh, Felix uh, Unger, Unger, Odd Couple. Odd Couple, thank you. Uh, which <laughs> I no longer told me to Felix tell Lighter. F you meant Felix Unger. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but so this little six second clip here, Arya looking at dragons is interesting, but uh, Rachel, you were, you were taken by the unsullied in the snow. Yeah. I think that one of the things that I've been looking forward to, um, uh, isn't the very first episode of the series called winter is coming. Yes. Um, yeah. so we've been hearing this for a very, very long time. And Literally long. the end of our, uh, the end of season six, the, the white Ravens flew out yep. of old town. And then last season we saw snow in King's landing. So we, um, are finally, finally, finally mm-hmm. getting to the point where winter is here and it's going to be an extra cold winter because the night King is coming in and he brings with him that cold. And I am very excited. We've seen certain characters with a wintry backdrop a lot. Right. The night's watch, John, mostly uh, Starks and whatnot. But I love the idea of taking 
um, an, an army like the Unsullied or, you know, the Dothraki horde who are from warm climate areas. Mm. We've never seen them with so much as a jacket on and they're going to be marching north. So not only are they marching against this like crazy unknown enemy, but they're marching into unknown territory. Right. And one of the beautiful things about Game of Thrones is that those kinds of details are things the storytellers pay attention to. Mm. What is... Yeah. I think just as many people die because of the weather and the conditions and the things that they have to go through as would die at the hands of the whites. Mm -hmm. And that's a consideration. That's a toll. That's a, you know, a part of all of this. Stannis and and his army in in the the, the north. 100%. Absolutely. So it's those kinds of details um, that the show does so well. And I'm just intrigued to see that sort of fish out of water thing happening with characters who've never probably even seen snow and how they'll deal with it. Right. Yeah, and I love it. It's something, something downright silly uh, about these shows, even say Star Wars with my other fandoms. Either. It's like I love seeing characters that didn't interact for six seasons suddenly got a scene together. There was a lot of that going on in season seven, mm-hmm. most notably, of course, Danny and John. But the locations factor in too. Sure. I don't, our lawn, is this something just Rachel and I have experienced? Well, no, I mean, the one thing we were saying just before the show or we started recording was uh, that's something that they actually have threaded through the entire show and characters right. who aren't from the North go North. Right, right. They react to how cold it is. It's, it, it isn't just, it's a little, you know, chilly and there's snow on the ground. It's freezing yeah. and they're not used to it and they don't know how to stay warm. Tyrion in season yeah. one, sort of memorably, he's taking that trip to the wall just kind of right. for fun and then sort of almost comes to regret it because it's so miserable up it's there. Miserable, and he's different. freezing cold. And, you know, Sam, yeah. we've heard sort of comment on, like a lot of characters who aren't used to it, we've already seen go north, yeah. are miserable once they get there. So yeah, yeah. now we're that we're moving the sort of whole focus show. of the show north i think we're going to see a lot of characters react to it. and i loved i mean jamie walker riding away i should say yeah. with little snowflakes falling yeah. uh, a little white christmas in uh, king's landing i think that'll be interesting too and ty well, is elia martell gonna have to go right, north? Right, right, <laughs> you know, like, how, how 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 southern are we gonna, gonna be gonna, gonna do it uh and then i still i still want to do just a cut over to karth and have uh, snow falling <laughs> oh, in karth, karth. <laughs> oh karth i i is Zaron still a Zaxo still in that dumb vault? And Dorea, presumably. I I was in, in rewatching season two. I can't tell you how much I love the spice trader from Garth. <laughs> yeah. He is the most awkward, wonderfully casted, awkward, pompous, but also honest and uh, direct, honest way. It just yeah. fascinating. I I understand fascinating how to me. the nature of adapting these books, you can't yeah. just leave Daenerys out for a whole season. So they had to come up with stuff, yeah, yeah. stuff, but, but now that we're at the end and time is so short and there's yeah. so much story to fit in, it does feel crazy that there were like three whole episodes <laughs> of like, where are my dragons? Well, I guess I should go to this temple. <laughs> Wandering through the red waste. Warlock. And yeah. Like it's just kind of, comical business to, yeah, yeah, yeah. until she gets to marine and the other you know more important cities it, it, it kind of you know as, as we you know the book series still is yet to wrap up and we're, we're pretty you know only book five and we got with two more books allegedly you know mm-hmm. we'll see if we'll they see show happens. up <laughs> yeah. but sometimes i worry when the show starts cutting characters off that on the show just maybe come to a natural end but i'm like oh just does that mean that they don't actually they don't factor in at factor all, in it all in the books? I know. Well, we don't. I mean, we don't, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know Maybe sure. Karth is going to come roaring, roaring back. back. Well, well Zaro is alive. Late. Yeah. He sure. doesn't die. So he he he's a part of the story in book yeah. five. And, and they did. They they've 
looped some of the sort of slave city right, right. action through enough that it wouldn't be that surprising if they came mm. back. Like if we did have something else with the Sons of the Harpy or Dario Naharis or some I'd of these characters, I could still see that coming into play at some point. Like Dario, you know, basically sending a raven to his ex-girlfriend. Hey, yeah. uh, how you <laughs> doing? See, it's been a while. I mean, I, I'm, again, I'm not a book guy, so yeah. we only got a tangential reference with like the Golden Company. Yeah. I mean, that's still from Big. Essos. Uh, yeah, be- uh, Essos does seem to be at least in a small way, shape or form, given what we know of Cersei's plan based on the end of last season. So we will probably at least see Volantis would be my guess, but something, you know, some place. And the uh, the Iron Bank of Bravos remains an important location. And we have to find a way to loop Melisandre back in too, because we've no doubt um, getting her. And one more thing, as long as we're talking about uh, Essos things that Mm. they have wrapped up. I've always been interested. They have mentioned a shy so many times. Shy by the shadow. Book readers say the same thing. And, and yet it's it always like out there. And even I didn't I didn't even mm-hmm. remember this, but towards the end of season one, mm-hmm. uh, when you know it's it looks like bad for Drogo and Jorah's like, we should get yeah. out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what he's saying is like my lady, we have to go to a shy. <laughs> Just get and out it's of it. Like, that's the only time I didn't even remember it being like right. reasonable to travel there. It seems like so exotic it, and distant. It really is. It's one of those things uh, and again, reading Fire Blood, there's two examples they do. You talk about a shy a little bit, right, uh, mm-hmm. Rachel? You yeah. probably it's fresh in your mind. Um, and they also go to be, uh, uh, Balerion and uh, Aria is uh, Aria Targaryen. It's one of the most fascinating parts of Fire and it Blood. It disappears. A, yeah, takes Balerion the Black Dread. But this is like when the dragon's like two hundred and he's Yoda and he's ready to kind of mm-hmm. check out. Steals it, kidnaps it, disappears. We don't know where she went for a year, but she comes back with this hideous, like. Alien 2 disease with things crawling inside her and bursting out her skin falling off. And Balerian's like beat and up Balerian too with burns and yeah. Cut scars. No one knows, but the, the thought is Balerian had control of her. She was too young, couldn't control him as a dragon rider and probably went to the last place he knew outside of Westeros, which would be Valeria, his mm-hmm. last living mm-hmm. creature to have seen Valeria. And it's, it gave me chills because yeah. it's scary because then you're thinking, and what's there? What's in a shy? Yeah. What's going on in this rest of this world? And I want to know, does the Night King worry about that too? <laughs> <laughs> I can't think about it. Speaking of the Night King, let's get into this kind of main discussion here, uh, Lon. I think this is a great place to take the conversation. The Starks at the end, how do they factor yes. in the end game? They clearly are still the main focus. And one of the first points you brought up, they're still a powerful house, which is weird. They're one of the very few (laughs) houses. Like when, if you think of when the show started, Mm -hmm. the powerful houses of Westeros, many have been almost completely wiped out, if not wiped out. I mean, the Lannisters are down to Jamie and Cersei. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, the Tyrells are Tyrells are done. Done. The Baratheons are are done. done. (laughs) Um, Tarleys done. Yeah, the Tarleys are basically done. So you know, I mean, you've got one Targaryen left. Yeah. Uh, So I mean, yeah, like we're 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 winning. It sort of is all falling on. To the Starks, they're the, yeah. they're the house that still has several viable, you know, heirs left. Which alive. makes sense to me. Number one, it's 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 not surprising because you go back to season one. They're the they're the focal point. They're the, they're the point of view house, so to speak. We start to follow them, and but then by season two and three. They're falling off, and you're thinking this is a broken house. So, sure. I mean, it, well, we're down to, you know, John yeah. is a bastard, or yeah, we, we, exactly. we thought so. He's got some uh, Stark button there. Um, uh, yeah, and for a I mean, long time, it didn't seem like Sansa would be a player. Right. Ari is going Arya, to other continents. Was, you, know, you know, right, basically, yeah, living on so the street selling pigeons. It's actually fascinating that, oh, yeah, that's right. This is still a story about the Starks. <laughs> right. And they're here, and I, I wonder how they factor into Endgame. And there's a lot of different ways, because they're all 
prominent now, but I guess I think it's a good, interesting place to start with Bran because he hasn't always been interesting to a lot of show watchers. And at times, even some of them, I didn't miss him from the season he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. I know there's wonderful, fascinating things and I want to learn, but I was like, oh yeah, and there's nothing against uh, Isaac Hempstead White, who I think does a great job, but... Well, he was just a character who was for most of the show while mm-hmm. other characters were doing things and interacting with other characters. He's been on this journey. He's been right. just traveling. And, and then, we haven't yeah. really, like, this past season was the first time he sort of got where he was right. going and has started to actually work and do things to move the plot forward. And, and, so, and, yeah, it feels like he was just, like, they just it just took him a really long, long time, time to find Max von Sydow. Yeah. Well, well, and even, you know, Rickon, poor Rickon, uh, mm-hmm. is, is gone, and Shaggy Dog might have been exactly what that uh, trope meant as a TV writer. Shaggy Dog is a pointless uh, yep. story mm-hmm. journey. So that was it for Rickon. Poor Art Parkinson, who was a, a wonderful chap. Were you there when he was at Screen Justice sure. the day yes, came yes. by? Wonderful chap. Um, good sport. Anyways, let's start with Bran, the Night King. All right, Rachel, you, you brought it up. <laughs> no, right? Is this, is this the thing? Do we dive into this? I, it's such an interesting theory. I don't know if I buy it because I don't think I want such a specifically direct connection. One of the things about, um, so mm-hmm. the, the Hold the Door episode yes. and Hodor was fascinating in that it did essentially show us a time travel or a time travel loop. I, I'm still yeah, not yeah. entirely sure exactly how it works, but the idea being that what is happening in the past is because of what is happening in the future is because of what was happening in the past. Right. And sure. the the effect, the back and forth of that, the issue on the table is that I don't want time travel to be the answer to right. too much um, because I feel like it's, it's a little bit of a flawed concept because it's not a real one. And mm. every movie that's ever been made about it, you know, some get some of the science, right. And then there's a lot of guessing involved and then there's, you know, alternate universe theories and butterfly effects and, right, and right. all of these things. And um, it's a little more sci-fi than I want this fantasy fantasy sure. series to be, yeah. but I like the, the nods to the idea that brand's power extends beyond just looking mm-hmm. and that there could be something, effective. Effect. you know, like Lon mentioned the moment when he yells or he calls his father's name in the tower of joy flashback and Ned turns and looks right. what that exactly means. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think that it means that there's more of a connection, which I think is cool. Right. But, um, I'm yeah. not quite ready to jump on board with, uh, this brand is every brand that's ever yeah. been in the history of the Starks or this brand is the night King. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the idea of this brand doing something like when he went into the, um, the vision where he saw the night King and the night King grabbed him, him yeah. and there's a consequence to that. That's the, those connections I yeah. think are interesting. And I used to think at the time that that was going to be how the wall came down, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. brand was I'd... actually the cause of that. Right. Um, because bef- prior to that, the night King didn't have the power to do so. It didn't turn out that that was what happened, but that's the sort of back and forth consequence mm-hmm. kind of ideas that I'm on board with rather than um, brand literally being right. another character from the past. I, I agree with that, Lon. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think they're going to actually do Bran being the Night King because I, I actually think the Night King as a concept works a lot better if you don't... He doesn't need to be a character. I don't, I don't right. think we're really going to ever delve into 
his inner wants and desires in the way that we have the human characters. That's like, that's the dividing line. He's, do, do you want he's, that on any level though? We, Andres I and I were talking about like, maybe he's kind of a good guy. Maybe he's like, Hey, the Lord of lights. Uh, he's kind of bad. I'm here to help you. I, I you feel know? like to me, I, what I like so much about the white walkers is that mm-hmm. it's, it's force of nature. It's I that do the, like that. Yep. The whole show is these sort of humans with their varying impulses and desires kind of all clashing and navigating with one another. And the reason that you can't Lord Varys, the night King, right? You can't, Outwit him. You can't Cersei Lannister him. Is because he's just he's just there to yeah. take over. He's just it's Dominance. just like a yep. manifestation of winter itself. He's sure. just there to freeze everything. Mm-hmm. And I I kind of like that. And I feel like that makes it more powerful and mm-hmm. meaningful beyond just like it's a fantasy. He's like oh he's the bad guy in this. Yeah, yeah. It's it's you know I I like it's more archetypal. If he's you can't reason with him. He doesn't want anything. He's just they, is, is yeah. he even aware of humans and their right. desires and what they want or is he just there to raise Got this it. army and take march through the whole continent right. i, I kind of like, like that and i think that you cheapen that the moment you're like no he's bran or no he wanted to do this or his I, goal is to do that though it would it would be a cool moment if yeah. you realized he was there to help fight some even larger menace like i like yeah. that as a twist i i, I mm-hmm. like it and i don't i don't think i need it because but it just seems weird that he's been built up but but at the same time he hasn't been built up that's the thing he's, he's just been a, a nemesis threat. yeah nemesis but not as a character yeah. and i feel like that's a turn i don't know if i would necessarily I, love. i'm not expecting him to all of a sudden at any point this season start talking like, yeah, I don't hey know guys, either. how you doing? But, but just like to me, the mo- the most personification we need of him is that moment when he lifts up his hands Come and then me, all the I was like, I get it. I yeah. get who you are. I get what you're about. I don't need. Yeah. You know, do you ever see? Um, I'm going to take it on a tangent for a second. There's the <laughs> Land of the Dead, that late Romero. I think it's the fourth Romero uh, of the Dead movie. This is why you're the film professor. No. He, uh, he puts a zombie who can't quite talk, but it's right. like uh, the first zombie who can sort of like reason. Reason like thing. It's like the when the raptors can open doors. He can like, this zombie <laughs> can figure out test the fences. Yeah. And it's like, now nah, that, that's the moment where you lose. Uh, this zombies, ferret can make a sandwich. Right. What's yeah. scary about zombies is the mindlessness. <laughs> They're just going to just keep knocking on the door. I like it. that. I like so that. I think the knight can kind of in that same way, like he's a zombie. I don't want sure. him to suddenly be like. What if you yeah. all join my army? Like, I, I mean, I, I would probably end the side down on that. But I like what you, was one thing you said, and you touched upon it too, Rachel. Here that that to me, after all these years of investing, and if a brand is this, seems like a cheat. Whatever that this right. is. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I mean, I, yeah. I I'm not necessarily as anti the idea of brand being able to go back into a moment in history and affect something. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that different. Could ripple to me. effect change, and to me, that wouldn't be like, oh, it's. Two sides. It's like, well, they've, they've come up with their fantasy magic explanation in this universe. He's got this rare ability to like port into yeah. somebody else's perspective. Like, I feel like they've done a good enough job that that wouldn't bother me. But I agree. I don't want it to be the answer. Yeah. Like, I don't want it to be the thing that saves Westeros. I, and I definitely don't like Bran went back. Like, he was Bran the Builder all yeah. along. Like, nah, there's nah. some interesting uh, friend nah, Kevin from the show Three Cocktail Questions here on Anchor. He has a show. He gets into theories. He's way better than I do. But it's always, you know, is it Bran whispering in the Night King's ear, burn them all? Is Bran the one that, you know, helped the, you know, Magar, the cruel, uh, um, Mac, uh, uh, you know, help him uh, build the tunnels that maybe they'll hide? Does anything about that factor in? And I'm okay with it in that word. That's not the cheat to me. But like, Rachel, are you like the idea of like, surprise, masks off, Bran, like you said, has been every brand through time i don't know yeah it's in in i think my my biggest hesitation is this idea of when you introduce time travel Mm -hmm. the inevitable question in every movie is well why don't you just go back to this time and 
take care of this person when they're a baby and then all of this stuff doesn't happen. So like the rules have to be set in place in such a way that the ability to time travel and the way that you can affect things has to be within a certain set of boundaries. I don't necessarily know for sure what those are. Uh, I suppose if we analyzed um, the Hodor moment a little bit more, maybe there's something we could see within that that could help explain what it is he is capable of and what it it is that he's not capable of because he cannot be like too powerful. He can't, you know, be, I don't want him to be the answer. Well, it's also, there was a, there was a three eyed Raven before him who was not manipulating time and space. Right. Right. But was watching, but you're absolutely right. Was watching, was plugged into the roots and was aware. A thousand eyes in one. And was calling to Bran to come to him, but was not like, I'm going to stop Jamie from knocking Bran out a window, which he could have done theoretically. So there, there must be some kind of limitation to this power because Max von Sydow, was, was well, and his, but and who the fat three eyed crow, three eyed raven, however you want to call it, book to show, you know, Brendan Rivers, uh, is one a, of the best characters one of the best, Martin has ever the written, best in my opinion. But things go wrong in his life, right? Oh, yeah. So if he has, he's not perfect, he's not perfect. So at what's one point he could go back and change things, and so he never did. There's something established, but I, I agree with exactly what you're saying, like. There was someone before Brand right. with this power. The fact that there's yeah. been this figure in the world <laughs> yeah. and that most human decisions bear out and aren't changed right. would indicate that Brand's not going to stunly oh, start manipulating time and space, <laughs> you know, like he's not going to be Dormammu all of a sudden. The, the, the whole show ends <laughs> with we go back to the beginning of time. Yep. <laughs> I've come to bargain. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Brand just like snaps it all out of existence and the whole world yeah, I don't, it's I not, don't it, think that seems like If likely. this was Stephen King's Game yeah, of Thrones, yeah. that is exactly, exactly what would happen, but because it's not, I don't think so. So, so yeah. do you think then, um, does Brand survive the series? Great question. I don't think I've ever been asked that directly. So yeah. why you're on the show, Rachel. <laughs> that is an interesting I'm still question. holding my theory that Danny dies. I mean, that mm-hmm. is my, I'm putting a dollar down you. to hoping I win a million. Um, but I could see Bran having to go, whether he goes to the astral plane, man, he ain't <laughs> around anymore. Or there's something to that or that we... He just ends up in a cave north of the wall. <laughs> he's in a tree and that's it. Yeah, I, don't know. I, I almost feel like he's maybe most likely to survive in some mm. shape or form. Maybe not as the Bran Stark we've come to know and love. Right. But I, I do feel like Bran might be one of those forces that will continue to live on. Okay. More more likely than most of the human characters. But I like what you're like saying, a gone. force. Like maybe he carries out, maybe he cannot change what maybe, he is right. becoming. Yeah, maybe he becomes another yeah. part of the cave or a bird permanently or something. <laughs> the brand wargs, bird. He wargs into a dragon and can't get can't back out, out or it's something. His final warg. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's it. It's or a, he ends up in a dire wolf. It's Wouldn't a that dire be, wolf. It, that be yeah. It's like Moonlight Graham and Field of Dreams. You cross that line. Yeah. It's oh, gone. You're done. That's very nice. I kind of like that. <laughs> that could work for me. Actually, kind of could work for me. We've got a we've got a dire wolf or two that's still alive. He yeah. could end up in one of them. He could maybe he maybe it's Nymeria. Nymeria. I was gonna say there's only turd. two. Yeah. <laughs> Nymeria and Ghost. Ghost. That's it. Uh, Rachel, what do you, what do you, what, what's your actual money down on the table prediction? Brand living nine. If he or does live on, it's going to be either as a human with no powers left anymore, or as like the last remnant of magic as part of a weirwood grove as having warged into an animal or something like that. But I don't see him being the three eyed Raven with the same abilities at the end of it all. 
So not necessarily like what what Brendan Rivers became, just his no, own his yeah. own version of because it. Because I'm still sticking to the idea that at the end of this, uh, magic will not be what it is like at the beginning of it. Well, that, so. that, yeah, okay. that's like the the sort of high fantasy trope yes, is that right. we're always a at new like age the, begins. Right, we're always at the end of the magical time. <laughs> but I mean that yeah. it, to me that's the fourth so, age of that, right. But that's exactly like to me that's so set like that's Middle Earth. That's right, like right. it was it was Earth. We know that this is not Earth. Oh no, yeah. it's not Earth. But I still feel like it's the. That magic has been a part of its past. It went sure. away. It comes back and goes in certain ways. Oh, so like an but I feel flow. like there is, and I feel like this is like a, a little bit of a last gasp of mm. it mm-hmm. because we have it's it's a song of ice and fire, and right. we have the ice, we have the fire, and I feel like this is sort of like a final clash of those things. I like that idea. Then we can have our spinoff series, Westeros 2010. <laughs> yeah. That that'll be the sci-fi it's, one. Yeah, yeah. C- like our, cyberpunk, cyberpunk, like a CBS procedural of. Uh, well, if you if you think about it, if we if we're going thousands of years earlier in a right. prequel, if we went thousands of years later, I mean thousands of years after the Middle Ages, we could, yeah, you get yeah. cyberpunk. So. <laughs> we you don't know yep. some work. Let's uh, let's go to uh, let's go to other things here. We got um, uh, the other Starks. There's a lot of other Starks. Mm-hmm. Sansa, Arya, John. We're gonna call him a Stark. Yep, Aegon Targaryen the Ninth. You a know, Stark. it's yeah. a Stark. He's Look, a full Stark. He's now. a Stark. Yeah. Uh, them factoring into the end game. Winterfell, which a lot of people say, hey, Winterfell, might, this might be the place where the first war uh, for the dawn and the, the long night ended. Uh, oh, you know, I never... Yeah, well, I, I... Seven years, I never put that <laughs> It's always the little things. It's never always the little things. That. That's very good. Um, so uh, I really do think the war happens there. I do mm-hmm. think sure. that's where the Night King That would also, meets. if you want to tie it into Tolkien in a nice, like the okay. tree of Gondor, the yes. tree of Winterfell, that's where the war, like that becomes the focal moment of the end of the war. Like right. that would be a very And again, it's, it's where we started. Yeah. It's the Starks, you know, mm. were the, the leading figures and then fell apart, but they've come back together and they've come back together at Winterfell, sure. like it just seems like the right kind and, of setting. And if you think of so much of mm. the show since the the very mm. beginning, very beginning has been about who's there always has to be a Stark at Winterfell who's mm-hmm. got control. Like Theon takes Winterfell, Losing the Boltons it, take Winterfell. They got to get keep getting it back. Mm-hmm. Get it so back, it yep. would be a very fitting way to end the story to also have it come down to like whoever controls Winterfell at the end. Winterfell at the end could be it. Something yeah. down there in the crypt. So therefore. What That's do we true think? too. The very first episode, you're down there in the down there, oh, yeah. and, and all that. Let's talk about Sansa. I want, I want to talk mm. about Sansa, uh, and, and just some thought, thoughts and predictions on where this character might go. You're, you're right, Rachel. At the beginning of the show, she was intentionally supposed to be kind of the young, almost annoyingly naive mm-hmm. wannabe princess, and she has absolutely grown into herself yep. and grown into a person of power. And I think that was a lot of season seven. So now, more than ever. I, I could see her end up as some kind of ruler, maybe the ruler of Winterfell. Yeah, she is one of the few that I feel fairly confident survives okay. um, at the end of all of this because of that arc, because of the fact that if you'd asked any of us at the beginning if she would, we'd probably be like, no. no. <laughs> um, no. She She's come a long way, and I feel like at the end of last season, I made a comment on the show that uh, Ken and I were on that um, Sansa and Arya represent the two sides of Ned uh, yeah. in in a very deliberate way when um, uh, they took out Peter um, 
I saw Sansa is the one who was passing the sentence and mm-hmm. Arya is the one who swung the sword. So right. it, it, it sort of echoed some of Ned's, you know, earlier um, mm-hmm. thoughts and, and uh, philosophies on, on being a Stark and being a leader. And I feel like the girls have sort of become two sides of that coin and they're working together. And I, I love that because I love the callback aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like Sansa's the realist in our and the pragmatist of all of our Starks that are left. She's the one who understands the minutia. She's the one who actually understands people mm-hmm. um, because of everything that she's been through. So I feel like while John and Danny are our, our as viewers are are the focal point and the leaders and whatnot, right. I actually see the characters turning to somebody like Sansa as the person to see them through something like I this. Like well, if you think about the our remaining Starks, mm-hmm. Sansa's the only one with political experience or experience right. yep. at court, quote-unquote, at this point. John's mm-hmm. been in the wilderness. Yep. Uh, Arya's <laughs> been living in the streets or in Temple or whatever. Yeah. Like uh, yeah. Even Daenerys, like, she's not necessarily great at diplomacy. She's right. great at what she's great at. Yeah. But it's not, you know, I'm going to control all these lords and get them to follow me. Sansa's been there from the very, very beginning. Right. She's been the one watching all of this unfold. She's sort of watched Cersei. Mm-hmm. She is the one. So, yes, I, I absolutely agree. Yeah. She's the one that the rest of them are going to have to turn to to how to navigate ruling. Not not just, you know, fighting a war, but, like, yeah. how do you actually, like, rule in this who's system? Gonna, who's going to manage everybody? Like, you, again, you, once file again you have Dothraki coming into the mix. Yeah. You have the yeah. southern armies. You have the northern people. You have people who are the wild whatever's left right. of them fighting with the northerners they've never gotten along you have these southerners coming in you have these foreigners coming in there's so many pieces to balance and mm-hmm. that's again one of the things that game of thrones never loses sight of it's not just everybody comes together oh so easily because we've right. got to fight this threat it's no there's going to be issues within their, their own side compromising yeah. and she's, she's the one how are they going to get fed how I are they going to get that. all of that i love the idea because she's learned she's learned from so i love that that moment there was that moment last season when they kind of in a meta reference almost like sansa kind of likes her seat away and like the fan base, well, we're even, like, she's horrible. I love her. Even the people <laughs> that she's been under who Baelish, she's yeah. hated. Right. She's yeah. learned things from yep. the Boltons and Peter Baelish. And exactly. Like, true. She's been a witness to the best manipulators and maneuvers yeah. in the Seven she, Kingdoms. She might trade a few of the lessons for uh, well, exchange for what right, happened. But, but, I, still, but I agree. But she learned from everyone. Yeah. The, the other the other thing. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I, was, I just you, had, you, you lost it. I just had, <laughs> oh, the three-eyed I'll, raven me, kicked it out of your brain second, there. Give me a second, and I'll get um, back to it. Yeah, and, and, and Sansa could be if again. I think a lot of us are on the same page. That, you know, the Iron Throne might not be there at the end. The wheel will be broken, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But if if there's any semblance of rule, I think Sansa would be very beloved now mm-hmm. uh, inside the show. Oh, yeah, yeah your point. It came back. It to came it. back. Uh, so so much of this show. I mean, so much of the theme. I think overall of Game of Thrones. What defines so, so many of these. Characters, characters is that loss of faith moment that moment when you realize the thing that you have desperately clung to and believed isn't going to happen and 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 how you move beyond that how Mm -hmm. you move past that moment Sansa got hers out of the way really really early 
Her right. sheath was like, I'm going to be queen. I'm going to marry this. I'm a princess and a castle. And I'm going to marry, marry the prince. Beautiful and, yep. blonde prince. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be my king. And she realized by season two, like, oh, things don't work out the right, way you're right. thinking. You kind of have to just be resourful and play things as they go. And she's learning this from Littlefinger, who's yeah. the master of it. Like, you know, figure out the situation mm-hmm. and figure out the best angle. Chaos, ladders, the, the, all that. The characters where things don't work out so well for them are the characters that don't learn that lesson until it's too late. You're, right. you're Ned Starks, yeah. who had faith in justice and law and like <laughs> the right being done. Yeah, and yeah. Stannis, who Stannis. had faith in the Lord of Light, was uh. going to see him through until the moment that he didn't. <laughs> yeah. And even Peter Baelish, who believed Bailey. in himself and I can navigate yeah. anything and I can mm-hmm. get myself I can out, get of out of anything. anything. Yep. Until he couldn't. Right. Right. And, and, and Rod so, Stark's an example. Uh, yes. I'm avenging right. my father and true love wins. Right. And uh, not today. And so, and I mean, I think one of the things that's kept John alive so long is he never really had a lot of, even in season one when he was right. off to the Night's Watch, he was like, no, it's good. You uh, you got to be in the Night's Watch. It's good. <laughs> but even he, you could tell by episode three, he didn't really buy it. And Tyrion is the only one going, oh, your precious Night's so I, Watch. I think that yeah. gives Sansa a very mm. strong advantage going into the end that she's like had that. all of her illusions. She's been as disillusioned as a person could possibly be. Right. She's the ultimate pragmatist. She's the ultimate cynic now. Mm-hmm. And that's a very powerful, that's like Cersei. That's the powerful position to be it's- in. She's like a good Cersei. She's like a kind of like a good Cersei because that was also Cersei. All of her children died. The yeah. prophecy came true. It's like, well, Horrible you can't believe happen. in anything. Nothing. You just got to play it as it lies. Sansa, that's, a, that's she's going to be an interesting character in this final season. Right. Yeah. I have a, another question with her um, yeah. talking about characters meeting up. This would be meeting up again, but I am so curious to see her and Tyrion. In oh, the same absolutely. place again, again. Yes, after after their, you know, actually, wedding. technically <laughs> having been married, married yeah. Um, and technically, and I loved last year when um he and John talked about her, yeah. a little bit on Dragonstone, and I feel like that's a a reunion. Um, I I'm very excited to well, see. Yeah, I mean, because she's gonna be looking back and going, of all the people in my life who've done some horrible things, you you weren't one of them. Yep, right. that's very true. You weren't one of them. That's that's interesting. Arya, our little warrior, mm-hmm. Arya, who who it'd be just this great character going back to season one just i was watching that stuff with her and ned and ned oh you'll you'll be a you know you'll be a lady and you'll, you'll a princess and you'll have little that's not me and now factors back to nymeria great callback scene last season uh so she's definitely gonna factor i still i still see her on a ship at the end going west of west and getting out of here but i like what you're saying rachel we got Sansa with the the, the, the the brain, so to speak, not that Arya isn't smart, of course, and, and Arya with the steel in a way. It's I a like the combo. way that they balance each other out. I mean, they're fleshed out characters in and of themselves, but I feel like there's their points of view um, are both valid and the when they work together is when, you know, I think they can accomplish the most. Right. But Arya, to me, is the hardest one to predict because yeah, of yeah. everything that she's done there's no way that at the end of it, she just becomes a lady in a castle. Like, you know, so, so you're like, well, what's the alternative to that? If she does survive, you know, I can't imagine the complete toppling of all societal Mm -hmm. norms in, in such a way that, you know, she uh, would have a, a place. I'm not sure what that place would be. So I'm, I'm in love with your idea, like that it all goes down, Mm -hmm. you know, um, people are, are picking up the pieces and, and moving on with this new world that they have. And she's going to be like, 
I'm, I'm off to explore the edges of yeah, it. Yeah, well, because, <laughs> again, I'm sorry, it's fresh in my brain, I keep referencing Fire and Blood, and I will not remember the name, because there's a lot of names in that book, <laughs> and they all sound the same, but there is the one Targaryen uh, woman that, that decides she wants to explore, and she takes the ship and gets a crew, and she goes, oh, yeah. and she kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, yeah, disappears, it, but the ship is seen in a shy which would be the other side right. of the world. Hinting right. that, yeah, it wasn't a Targaryen, yeah. it was the lover, uh, the, the of, lover one of, uh, Something like hitting that the world is round and you could circumnavigate. Yeah. For the because that's time. never been established in right. this no, world. Right, no, yeah, they, they yeah. it's, you're at the far there's, east or the west. There's you're flat never, earthers and westerners. Yeah, yeah. Trust me. <laughs> well, I, I mean, here, here's the thing, and I, I know I come back to this a lot, so people who listen to this show might no, already be sick of me talking about it. I'm fascinated by the idea that we've been introduced to a variety of religions in Game of Thrones, and some of them we we this have works for me. Buddy. Some of them we have strong evidence that there is a reason to have faith in that religion. There is a yeah. real power behind it. Others, maybe not so much. I don't think we've seen the Seven do right. a whole much. lot for people, but we've we've seen the Lord of Light <laughs> create murderous smoke monsters and <laughs> it's like literally well and yeah, the many-faced yeah. God. Yes. Arya has legitimately very like significant power now. Yep. And I feel like it, it would be weird for the show to just leave a person in the world with that with level that power. of power without it being applied to something. So I, I almost feel like she becomes a Jack and Hagar yeah. type thing. Not that, you know, like I know there's theories about who is he really. Right, right. Ah, I yeah, mean, like she becomes another figure like that, traveling the world, bestowing this power on people who are <laughs> worthy and like serving the many-faced God. That way. Like if you have a, yeah. a God who's real yeah you're gonna be inclined to think to go back and serve them in some way maybe the idea. she's like a new version of a faceless a man new that's what i that yeah. that would be kind of my thing because now with that scene at the at the yeah. twins where yeah. she is mm-hmm. walder frey and she's clearly been yeah. impersonating walder frey in a believable way for a significant amount of time like that's a pretty that's a powerful yeah, yeah. person i and mm-hmm. i love i love that point too because that's an in-show thing where as a viewer i think some people could be taken out of it uh, like what she's wearing his face, and all of a sudden she's speaking. Like I look at it as as a power. Yeah, look at no, Jack it's, a super, it's, it's absolutely a, a supernatural power. Yeah. it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not like she's just a really good impersonator. Absolutely, <laughs> she's not rich little right. going no, around. She's imbi- I mean, so that to me, that's that's also a potential answer for what? she would never be limited by being like a lady right. at this point because right. she could just choose to be a lord. <laughs> like, she's we we've now invested her with so much power that I yeah. feel like there's got to be some answer for her, so she's not just like a god among right. humans which, which is why it is uh, rachel to your original point here it is very hard to predict to try to predict she's the hardest for me. She, well, she's i mean i yeah. i would say maybe her and and melisandra mm-hmm. arguably the most and bran yeah, yeah the most powerful characters in the show at this and, point. And, I, and i do believe we're gonna see her and melisandra face off not maybe not necessarily face off they'll be in the same room together yeah you've got to give us that nod. Yeah, that <laughs> would be the worst. <laughs> Don't leave us hanging on that one. Yeah. Hardest simple ever. Yeah. Uh, and the time we have left yeah. here, uh, we want to get through a lot tonight. I want to get some fan questions. We, we got to go to our man, John Snow. Uh, what, what, he's Aegon Targaryen. The, what would that be? The fourth, fifth, sixth, twelfth? I don't know. There's a lot of them. Uh, right? That's not going to be my strategy. Uh, Aegon the fourth, Aegon the fifth, sixth. I'm trying to go through the... Okay, but the, here's the thing. Uh, yeah. F- Aegon, Fagon isn't right. in the show, so that's the thing that's like yeah. throwing me off. So I guess he's the seventh, even though he wouldn't be wouldn't in be the, the books. He's anyway, a, sorry. John Snow. <laughs> yeah. John Snow. All right. We got him and Danny. We I think we can probably do an entire episode on John, Danny, 
getting busy in a ship and a kid coming, all these kind of theories and stuff. But to me, uh, he's still fascinating because I, I still look to him. I look at Sansa, Arya, all of them, but I still look to him as the one to to end the battle in a way. I'm still looking at John versus the Night King. I, am I wrong there, Lon? You're scrunching your face, Rachel. What, what do we got? There's no way. I mean, just I'll let Lon go. But like yeah. Lon already said, like the moment where the the Night King's on the pier and yeah. he holds his hands up and John's in the boat. If that's not a like, we're gonna meet okay, and stand off at some point. I don't know what is. So I, I <laughs> think so. But at the same time, I don't um, know. The moment you become confident in this show is like that's I, when he's very much. And I feel like Jon Snow's almost at a Ned Stark level at uh-huh. this point. Like of that's true. The, he's such a central place in the show, yeah. and he's like the moral beating heart protagonist. He's the one we most want to see. Yeah. That means he's not going to be the one to well, do it to me. I always yeah. feel like there's no way. George R. R. Martin knows how much we want that moment, and I don't in, think there's any way that we're. Gonna I don't. Get I don't disagree with you at all there. But in terms of the war, maybe I still stand behind that. But I also don't think he factors into what comes on because I think it might be like John's plan, plan, and then someone else has to come in it, and execute it. Or even if he, you know, is unveiled as Aegon Targaryen, right? That's. That's some good Star Wars poetry of going back to the beginning. Aegon's conquest 300 sure. years, but we got also 10,000 years of history. But it doesn't seem to me that that it doesn't seem like the story works. And again, you're right, Lon. We, you, the moment you think you know, that's when it changes. It starts with Aegon the Conqueror, this modern history of Game of Thrones. And ending with Aegon doesn't seem like something George R. R. Martin would want to do. It's not just all this big Targaryen history. It just seems like that's not the ending that we're going to get. John on the throne. It's no, one hundred percent no. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see him surviving. I think that no, he's he. There's no. It would just be too weird. And I feel like there's mm. certain story tropes, if you will, that Martin in the show does follow through with. And I feel like the idea of him having been brought back from the dead to me means it's for a very singular purpose. I agree with that. And I think singular, that him yes. as a military leader, as the beating heart of the mm-hmm. movement to oppose the Night King is absolutely going to happen. But then something will happen in that, like Lon said, um, whether he falls or dies in an unexpected way or sacrifice. I actually see himself see Sa- him sacrificing yeah, yeah. himself yes. to do a thing that maybe wasn't what we all thought, but then somebody else picks up the mantle and finishes it in some yeah. way, shape or form. Like I do that yes. makes sense to me because it falls within the purview of game of Thrones and the way that it does things, but it uh-huh. also honors and gives John the moment that we all frankly want him to have. Yeah. I right? think, I think yes. John gets a big hero moment and he, yeah. yes, he he's been brought back to life. He's got some vital role to play. Mm-hmm. Right. I just don't think it's leading the armies of the North in a successful campaign against the night King. Sure. Right? Right. I just can't. I can see somebody maybe doing that, but I don't think it's it's John. I also do not think. I know we're not talking about him. Yeah. I don't think Tyrion's going to survive. You don't think Tyrion's? Okay, that's no. interesting. Interesting. I why why I, do you think that? I'd love to have that. Uh, because I think that his death would be such a. I, I don't think. I, I'm not sure the show could resist that moment of how meaningful that would be to people, especially if he goes in a very noble way, in right, a rousing right. way. I think that there's that, that it's such a fan-beloved character, and that would be such a big moment. I think that he's going to go out blaze of glory. Okay, I like that there. I like that. If that happens, then I would put money on Jamie living. 
Oh yeah, no, I, I I'm with you. Okay. Like, I feel like a Lannister survives this. I'm so this with is, you on this. I think Jamie's kind of, one of the last. This, this is sure. a, this is a good transition to the fan questions. Okay. I've got fan questions for my Discord server, which you can access by being a Patreon supporter at Patreon.com/slash/KenNapsock. That's uh, my overall brand, but uh, you get access to this little. Uh, I put out the chance to ask questions, and Tim Van Newland, who actually is my Discord admin, uh, uh, help there. He says. Uh, Question for Casterly Talk, people. Which Lannister or Lannisters will be still be alive at the end of the season? You both are going to Jamie. Does that mean Cersei Kaput, oh. Tyrion Kaput? What do you think, Rachel? Cersei's done. I think that done her arc means that she will. And I do Valencar, whatever. Like it, sure. Whether or not that's it, like it has to involve Jamie in some way, just sure. because their relationship has to have closure in some way. If Tyrion dies, Jamie lives. Okay. Probably vice versa as well. The only reason why I could see, not only reason, but a reason I could see Tyrion surviving is that throwaway line from last season where he's like, basically says, if I survive all of this, I'm just going to go down the arbor and mm-hmm. I'm going to have myself a little vineyard and like, I'm <laughs> going to live out my days right. Right. on any other show. That means he dies. On this show, it almost makes me want to go the complete opposite and go. The last scene will be him on a video. If he actually said that and that actually happened, that goes against the grain of the show. Um, And and because, like Lon said, for the very reason that his death would would strike such a chord with the fans, Mm -hmm. him living through would be that one through line character, that one major character from the get go that sees it all out, Mm -hmm. who is probably scarred for life for having seen it all out, but you know, makes it to the other side because if most people consider Danny, John and Tyrion, the big three, the main three, I'm so convinced that both Danny and, uh, John died, then that's what makes me think Tyrion might be safe. Okay. But Lon, you're saying kaput on Tyrion, kaput on Cersei. I think Jamie is that really complicated character who's been on this very interesting, Mm -hmm. unexpected sort of redemptive arc for the last few years. And that's why I think he's the guy that we end up with at the end. I wouldn't hate that. Yeah. Not not that he's like the only survivor. But in terms of the Lannisters, I think Cersei's gone. And I think, yeah, Tyrion's going to go down. In a in a big showy way that's going to make us all feel feelings, and then I think Jamie's the one who he's going to have seen this all through. He's going to think about how how different a place he's going to be right. in at the end than where he started and what he sort of learned from this experience. And yeah, and I mean, also I think the fascinating thing about where Jamie would be at the end is without he, he's never yep. been without Cersei. I mean. Right. Mm-hmm. Like Jamie Lannister having control of the Lannisters, whatever the landscape looks like after this, and having to, for the very first time, make decisions about what he wants to do and what he thinks is right rather than what's best for him and his sister together, I think is is a really interesting... That's really interesting to me. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, I've never really... uh, I've I've thought of... I've thought a lot about uh, about uh, Tyrion dying, and I I just don't want just don't want it. <laughs> no, I, don't, I mean I don't want it. But uh, it makes sense, along what you're saying. You're kind of convincing me a little bit. Like, hey, there could be a great death scene and, and a lot of death scenes. Jamie would be the one for me that learns the most exactly. So that mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. Cersei Braun ended up Bron, together. Bron, uh, Bron, they own a. They just own a. They start a restaurant yeah, yeah, together. Like Braun's yeah. got a small castle yeah. next to. Yeah. yeah really um, I as far as Cersei, yeah, it, you know, even removing the Valencar prophecy, which is at this point mostly booked, though they do go to Maggie the Frog, um, and that doesn't really get covered. But it just seems like it's still going to end that way. 
I, I, I have resigned myself to the fact that Cersei will die. And I say that because I really do like this character. I really do love, um, much like I love Tywin. There's something about them, both those characters, that I'm like, I understand some of your point of view. Uh, and that's what Game of Thrones does. Mm-hmm. And the Cersei stuff, going back to season one, watching her in the Battle of Blackwater when she's drunk and harassing mm-hmm. Sansa. Just some of the best work from Lena Headey. Yep. I do get she'll die. I just, I wouldn't mind there being some sort of personal redemption, emotional redemption, or some kind of realization of all the things she did wrong and that's why she's dying, but there's still peace in her death. I don't know. Am I crazy? No, no, because that you just hit on the thing about Game of Thrones. There are pure evil characters, Ramsay, uh, Joffrey, um, uh, yeah. uh, the, the, Viserys, Night King. the Night King. Yeah, but, but they're, they're all like actually psychologically damaged or wrong in some way, shape or form. The other quote unquote villains are still fleshed out human beings. And Tywin is absolutely one of them. Even Roose Bolton is one of them. Like they're, they have motivations and they have points of view that Mm. you at least can understand if you don't necessarily sympathize and Cersei, you can actually sympathize with. So there is absolutely room there for, I think the arc needs to end with her death but it absolutely it, it won't it, it will be an emotionally affecting death mm-hmm. and i think even more so if they give her like you said some sort of moment or re, uh, realization mm-hmm. or a, a, a small action that she does right before it happens or, or when it's happening or whatever that acknowledges mm-hmm. you know yeah, i didn't was- always get this right yeah. and you yeah. know I get behind that yeah I go back to that season two scene where she's talking with Therian and Therian, Tyrion about her children, about mm-hmm. her children. And there's a real love there. And there's a real thought of, you know, uh, this is maybe the cost of our sins and all that. Some heartbreaking stuff there. So I, I, I think she's going to die. I hope there's some peace maybe in the afterlife for Cersei Lannister. Well, uh, we've talked about a lot. We've covered a lot of ground. And uh, I don't want to, we could go for two hours, but I don't want to. Uh, and I'm sure some of you listening want that. But we will wrap up tonight's <laughs> conversation. Uh, this is always fun. I can't wait to cover this final season with these fine folks here and some other names uh, and voices lending uh, them uh, their talents to the show. So this is a, a lot of fun. Hope you guys out there listening like it. You can, there is a Facebook page. Castly Talk. I set that up a long time ago just to reserve the space um, <laughs> with Lon's excellent name. So you can go like us there. This show is on Anchor, which means you can support the show directly on Anchor. You can also favorite. I do suggest getting that app if you want to listen to it on the go, but the show is available in 12 other spots, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. A lot of wonderful places, wonderful places like that. So check it out. You can follow me at Ken Napsock. Use hashtag Castly Talk, but also follow these fine folks. Rachel, where do you want them to find you? I'm at Rachel J. Cushing. Mr. Lon Harris over there doing the Lord's work at Screen Junkies. Uh, yeah, find me on Twitter at L-O-N-S. The best Twitter handle ever. Four, four <laughs> letters. You got there early and you got there often. That is it for now on Casterly Talk. We'll see you all next week. Next week.